Well, it's lovely to be with you this morning. I'm going to start just by telling you a very familiar story. Some of you will know it really, really well if you've been in church. And the trouble with familiar stories is that they wash over us. And so I want to just invite you for a moment to try and enter the story again. So it's a story of a dad, and he has two sons. And the dad provides the most wonderful home for his two sons. It is beautiful, and they have everything that they need. But one day, the youngest son goes to his father, and he says, I want my share of the inheritance, and I want it now. And it broke his father's heart. But he decided that he would give that son his share of his inheritance early. And so the son took the money and he went off to a faraway land. And there in that land, he kind of lived the life he just wanted to live with no boundaries, no um, answering to anyone, just doing whatever he wanted to do. And he squandered all the money away on prostitutes, on partying, on drinking, on gambling. He squandered it all away to the point where nothing was left. A famine came across that land and he began to starve. And so he decided that he would go and get a job feeding pigs. And he was so hungry one day that he bent down to start eating the food that the pigs were being given. And at that point, he kind of flashed in his mind, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I've got a father who has a beautiful house with everything that I could ever need in it. And so he decided, I know what I'll do. I'll go back to my father and I know he won't want me back as his son, but I'll just, I'll say sorry and I'll, I'll like offer to be one of the servants in his house because even that is better than this. And so he made his way home. And as he was beginning to approach the house, to his utter surprise, there was his dad running towards him running with his arms wide open. And before he could say, I'm sorry, before anything could come out of his mouth, his father embraced him in his arms, looked at him and said, welcome home, son. Come on, let's have a party. There was no I told you so's. Just a welcome straight back as a son. It cost the father though. It hurt him and it cost him. At the party, they were celebrating. And you remember there were two sons in the story. There was another son, the older one. That son had been with his father all the time. And he got cross. He was grumpy. Why is my dad throwing a party for this horrible son of his? He's run away. He's disrespected him. Why is he throwing him a party? Where's my party? I've been here all the time. 
I've been faithful. I've been working here in my father's house. Where's my party? And so the father leaves the party. And in those days, in that time, it would have been a great disgrace for that older son not to have been in that room of the party. And the dad leaves the party and he goes out to his older son. He begs him, come in, come back in. Everything I have is yours. It's all yours. Come on in. Come and party with us. Your brother was lost. Now he's found. Come back. Come on in. And it cost the father to stand there and beg his son, who he loved so much, to come back in. And then the story ends, and we, and we don't know how it might have turned out. But both those sons messed up. They both messed up because they wanted to do it their way. Rather than have the father and their friendship with their father, they just wanted the stuff they could get out of life. For the older son, he was less interested in being with the father and more in the right and wrongs of what was due to him. He'd put himself right at the centre of his own life. And so, although he didn't go off and squander the money, he was as equally at fault as the younger son. And Jesus tells this story to the people because he knows that in some way or another, we all overshot God's standards. We all mess up. We all muck up. We all forget to love the Father and receive his love how he wants us to. We all forget to have fellowship with God, to be God's friend. And so here we come to this passage in Hebrews. And the first, this sermon's going to be really short, guys. So the first bit is this. God says, come and have fellowship with me. It says in verse 22, if you've got a chance, open it on page 1208, because we're going to have a look at it. It says in verse 22, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. The invitation is to draw near to God. Just like he meant both his sons. He's there waiting, running towards you, saying, I am here, come to me. And this scripture says, let us draw near to God. And you know what? We don't even need to draw near in guilt because of what Jesus has done for us. So when we come to Jesus and we say, I'm so sorry for the stuff I get wrong, Jesus cleanses us totally so that we can have no guilt. Isn't that amazing that we get to live totally guilt-free? Where else in life does that happen? Who else lets you be that free? But God says, come. And, and that's what these first verses are about. It talks about the curtain that is his body being opened. And, and we remember when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was ripped in two and saying, no longer do you need some sort of special way to get to God, but because of what Jesus has done for you, you can get straight to God. God will clean you of your guilt, and you can get straight to God. And so the first point of the sermon today is, let us then draw near to God. Why would you not draw near to your Father God, who has everything you need? Verse 
let us draw near to God. And if you look at this bit of scripture with me, it says in the little passage, five, let us. Let us draw near to God. The next let us is let us hold on to our faith, to the hope we profess. Let us keep hold of the faith. We need reminding of that, don't we? Because it's easy um, to let our faith slip and slide. It's not always easy to keep on believing in God. And so it says, but let us hold on to that faith. Keep hold of it. You will have to fight to keep hold of it. There's a spiritual battle going on. We live in a messy world. It's hard to be patient because right now all we see is what's before us. As she says, let us hold on to the hope you have in Jesus, that one day you are going to be resurrected to eternal glorious life, where there'll be no suffering, where every tear will be wiped away. The, second, the third letters is let us, con, um, so let us uh, draw near to God, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. The next one, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The next one, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And then the final one, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Five letters. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that the first two letters is kind of possible to do on your own, just about. It's hard, but you can draw near to God and you can hold on to the faith just about if you had to on your own. Not easy, not how God intends you to do it, but you kind of could just about do it. Some people have managed it, but it's super hard. The other three commands, let us, involve us doing this Christian walk with others. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, everyone here, you can give yourselves a gold star um, because you're here in church. So, you know, you've kind of, you've done that. Well done. Let us not give up meeting together. Um, But actually, it's kind of, those verses are more challenging than that, aren't they? As we reflect on them a little bit more. And we're in a series where we're looking at spiritual fitness. And part of our spiritual fitness is about walking alongside other Christians. And that's kind of where we're landing today. It's been a mental health awareness week this week, hasn't it? And so I'm just going to say to you really loud and clear, I need you and you need me. The wisdom of the Bible is that it says we need to be in community with one another. That actually God made us that way and intended it to be that way. So for all we do of going off on our own to grow in Christ or do the things he's called us to do, we will get fast, quite far, and then we will slow down massively if we are not journeying with other people, if we're not taking others with us. As I asked a member of our small group called Emma if she minded if I shared her story, and she said that was all right, so I'm going to share it with you. 
So Emma comes to church, but she doesn't come every week because she has a job where she travels a lot. She works for one of these kind of luxury holiday companies, and I'm very jealous of her Facebook photos because they're always of her in like Barbados or somewhere. Um, anyway, so she works for one of these companies, and so she is often off traveling. But when she's in Chiswick, she makes every effort not to give up meeting together. And so she's attached us herself to our small group. She can't come every week. She can't make church every week, but she's attached herself. But she's also built up some friendships, some real friendships within that group. About five months ago, just before the summer, she woke up one morning and couldn't see. She had a very sudden um, onset of very severe vertigo. She didn't know, she had never experienced that in her life before. She's totally healthy. She's in her 20s. She's young. There's like nothing wrong with her. It was a total shock and it was scary. She managed to clamber her way around her house and find her phone and call me. And at that moment, the fact that her church family really looked after her blessed her so much. We were able to encourage her to bring some meals, to collect her medication. And when we looked at who in the church lives really close to her, because they said after a few days that she needed to start trying to walk and get out of the house. And so I looked on church suite at who in church lived near her and found that the Malalies lived on the same road. She was in a block of flat of the Malalies. So I went round to the lovely Malalies and said, would it be all right if this girl called Emma in church, you don't really know yet very well, walked to your house for a cup of tea one afternoon? And of course, being the wonderful people they are, they said yes. And they've got to know Emma and they've got another friend in their lives now and they know their neighbours. It isn't just about, yeah, okay, meeting up. But if we don't, we don't get to do this Christian walk how we're meant to do it. And that's with each other. And it is costly. And it's a little bit hard and it requires some effort. Sometimes it involves taking the effort of being brave enough and vulnerable enough to share who you really are and where you might need spurring on in your faith. We're not always willing to do that. Something of our pride, our shyness, sometimes can hold us back. Sometimes we think no one else will really understand. I'm in a different place to everybody else. But if we don't try, we don't grow together. Because I just think this passage is so clear. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, us hanging out as Christians and being nice to each other and kind to each other isn't actually just so that we have like a cozy club together here in church. It's so that we strengthen one another, that we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. 
And so I just want to, I want to spur Ruth on this morning. She preached brilliantly at the 9.30. And, uh, and she's trying right now because her heart is breaking for the homeless. She's trying right now to find people who will join her in running the homeless shelter. Well, I want to encourage you, Ruth. I want to spur you on because that is worthwhile doing. God wants us to look after those that are in most in need on our society. So thank you for doing that. And I want to bless you, Ruth, this morning. And I want to encourage you. And anyone else that thinks, ah, oh, that ministry may be something I could give some time to see Ruth at the end she'd love to hear from you but we need spurring on and encouraging because come the middle of December and it gets a bit hard to find the volunteers and she's done a few nights herself she needs our encouragement to keep going to keep pressing into what God has given her a calling to do and a passion for and so we need one another and I need you I need your friendship I need to be in relationship with you, and you need me too. So first of all, let's, let us consider drawing near to God. Let's get close to God first. But as we are doing that, we're also called to let us spur one another on in love. Relationship with God and relationship with each other. And that builds the very best community. And it finishes, and I'm finishing here. It says, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Why does it finish like that, this passage? Finishes like that because it's a reminder to us that one day, what we do now, we will bring before God in heaven. And it reminds us and encourages us to go, do you know what? Put a smile on God's face. Remember that one day you're going to stand before him. And he will say, did you take my word seriously? Did you put it into action? Did you do it? And he'll love you, whatever's happened. And the messes we made as we talked about at the beginning, he forgives us. But we are still going to stand before him. There's a day coming when we'll probably all wish we'd done that little bit more for God while we were alive. And so it's there as a reminder, as an encouragement to God's people that there's a day coming. And then whatever we care ourselves and worry ourselves about today will pale into massive insignificance. And so it reminds us of that because we need reminding of it. Let's pray. Lord, as we leave church this morning, I pray that you would let us take those five letters of this passage in and put it into our heads and hearts, that we might live it out, that this week we would draw close to you, that we would hold on to the faith, that we would spur one another on, that we wouldn't stop meeting together that we would encourage one another. And Holy Spirit, just have your way and do in us whatever you need to do. We're all individual with individual seasons, but you've called us to be the body of Christ here in West London at this time. 
work in us and through us for your glory we pray. Amen.